All right, before we get into mother sauces and uh, the basics of those, we're gonna do a quick segment on binding agents. Binding agents, okay, are not federal employees that tie people up, okay? Binding agents are things that you could use to thicken or combine, bind, to bind <laughs> sauces and liquids. All right, there's a, there's a different types of binding agents, uh, all varieties, and, but the, we're gonna go over the basic ones. The easiest one to make is a slurry. A slurry, which is a funny word, but it is a word nonetheless, is cornstarch mixed with water or liquid. Let's use water for the all intents and purposes, and we're gonna thicken a cream sauce. So here I go, I made a sauce alfredo, which is a sauce alfredo, it's a cream and garlic sauce with a little bit of cheese, excuse me. And uh, it's too thin, damn it, man. Like I didn't reduce it enough, what happened? Why is it too thin, what am I gonna do? I gotta, I gotta serve pasta in 10 minutes and shit is fucking soup, like I'm gonna, damn it. No big deal, don't panic. In your house somewhere should be a container of cornstarch. Take uh, two tablespoons of cornstarch, if you're making about a gallon, right? And uh, mix it with some water. And then add that to the boiling cream. You have to wait about, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. And then you'll notice that the cream will get thicker instantly. You cannot add cornstarch slurry when it's cold. You have to let it cook. The the reason it's the easiest is that it has to cook the least. All right? So the second thing, and this is what is most popular, is called a roux, R-O-U-X. That is butter and flour, one-to-one ratio. So a pound of butter, a pound of flour. Melt the flour. I mean, melt the flour. Melt the butter. Don't burn it. Melt it. And then add the flour. Cook it. You have to cook the roux to let it activate. And then you add it to your sauce. Cold roux to hot sauce. Hot sauce or hot roux to cold sauce. But usually it's the former. The roux has to cook a little bit longer than a cornstarch slurry because of the fact that it's flour instead of cornstarch. It's thicker and it takes a little bit longer to start binding. The longer you cook a roux before you put it in the sauce determines the strength of said roux. So if you're making something like a, an Alfredo sauce again, and you don't want to use cornstarch, you want to use a roux, you wouldn't want to cook the roux too long, and also you don't want to give it too much color. Um, if you're making something like a beef stew, and you're using a roux, <laughs> you might have to make it a little darker, boo. Make it a roux brun. So um, it's going to be a less binding, but it's going to have a nice dark color to it and that, that nice um, hazelnut flavor from the butter. There's also something called bermanier. Bermanier means butter in your hand. Easy. And it's very simple. You basically just take a piece of butter in your hand and you take a bowl of flour and then you slowly massage the butter in the flour until it starts to incorporate it. And then you keep going until basically it can't incorporate any more flour. So it'll probably grow to about three times the size and then it will be a biscuit essentially. And then what you do is you just take that and flick it into the whatever liquid you have and that's called a bermanier. So it's kind of like a roux but you're incorporating it before cooking. So that's going to cook even longer. Right? Perhaps the easiest way to thicken anything is xanthan gum. Xanthan gum is a beautiful, beautiful magic white powder that doesn't get you high, unfortunately, but it does thicken anything, whether it's cold or hot. And it's also an emulsifying agent, so it'll f- prevent the sauce from breaking like hollandaise or like bernays. 
So if your Hollandaise is breaking, or if you need to hold it for a ridiculously dangerous amount of hours, according to the health department, you add a little Xanthan gum in there, it'll stay good forever. All right, binding agents. All right, then you could also use mustard, egg yolks, and tomato paste. Those three things do act as binding agents. They're not as strong as the roux or the slurry, but they are binding agents nonetheless. Hollandaise, egg yolks, mustard, and mayo, okay? So all those things are used to combine and hold ingredients together to make them one delicious mass, all right? Then uh, we'll go into starches next. We'll go into a little bit into desserts. We're gonna veer off into desserts because this goes into with the binding agents, the three types of starches. There's a baked starch, a stirred starch, and a, uh, Jesus Christ, a baked starch, a stirred starch, and a cooked starch? I forgot the third one, oh my God. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, creme brulee, basically, uh, creme anglaise, and then pastry cream. So starch with a cornstarch, with a flurry. Slurry starch, that's stirred. Baked is the creme, creme brulee, and then the creme anglaise is the cooked, I guess, yeah. And uh, they're, they're different in, they differ in variety and flavor and texture, but uh, those are the three types. So it's also binding the cream to the flour or the starch using three different methods. That's gonna come up next. Then we'll go into the five mother sauces. Then we'll go into what to do with those five mother sauces. And then after that, I'll teach you how to make a proper stock. mother sauces. Now I'm going to tell you what the mother sauces are and then a little bit about what to do with them before I'm going to tell you how to make a proper stock because if you don't know how to make a proper stock then you shouldn't be making any sauces. Everything in cooking, well in French cooking anyway, starts with a good stock. Stock is what most people think is a broth. All right, and if you buy that stuff at the supermarket, if it says Rachel Ray on it or Emeril Lagasse on it or Mario Batali on it, I don't give a fuck. It's not a fucking stock. It's made in a factory with ridiculous shit and it's not, it's not a stock. The funny thing is about a stock is you don't need to spend money to make a stock because essentially a stock is everything that you're not using in the meal. So if you're making a whole chicken, instead of baking the whole chicken in the oven, cut it off of the bone, take the back out and make a small stock. If you're making beef, ask the butcher to give you a couple bones, make a stock. Or the other thing you could do is you can make a bunch of stock and freeze it. But if you have a nice couple of quarts of veal demi or veal stock in your freezer, your cooking is gonna immediately elevate from like meh to like whoa, oh shit. All right, simple. It's very simple stocks. It's all about roasting the bones, then the vegetables, and then adding water. This pertains to beef and chicken, all right? Chicken, you could boil everything in one shot. Boil, put the chicken, cold water, vegetables, and just let it go for like two days. The Italians do that. It comes out very clarified. It's amazing. The French don't think that they should take that long. The French think that a chicken stock should take about an hour and a half, two hours tops. A fish fumé, which is a fish stock, shouldn't take more than 30 minutes because it's called a fumé, which is the word smoke, fumé, is because it gets cloudy. All right? It's very hard to make a fish stock not cloudy, but then you could clarify it with egg whites and stuff like that, but that's a little bit more intricate. Let's do beef. Let's do beef stock. 
Now, you don't take beef bones. You do veal bones, veal stock, because it has less impurities than a, a mature cow, so it's a different flavor completely. I can smell a veal stock cooking from a mile away. It's amazing to me. I love it. And a lot of sauces that I've made, I will make, continue to make, come from veal stock. Some places use demi-starter, which is like a powdered packet. I would stay away from that. They do actually sell veal demi already made. But again, it's made in a factory and it is good and it's very expensive, but it is very good. But it's not your veal stock. Now, I have chefs that say that you can cook veal stock for two days. Some guys cook it for 12 hours. Some guys cook it for 16, 14, eight hour minimum is what I'm going to say. Eight hour minimum and then you guys, you guys could do whatever you want. I know a dude that cooked it for two days. It was really, really good veal stock. Needed a little bit more color, but that's all right. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to take bones and you're going to roast them in the oven until they are roasted. So picture the bones having a little pizza of scraps and meats on them. Picture them being a whole roast and then looking nice. Once they start looking nice and caramelized brown, you want to pull them out. You want to take the bones out of the pan and into that same pan without scraping it, dicks. Don't scrape it. It's the sook. You need it. You add the vegetables and a little bit of tomato paste and you mix it all together. The vegetables and the tomato paste. Wear gloves if you don't want to get your hands dirty. Spread it out nice and evenly. Roast that. Now you're going to roast it. What vegetables, Dimitri? Duh, of course. You're going to use onions, celery, and carrots. Well, how much? Fuck. One to one to two. So half a part of carrots, half a part celery, one part onion. You understand? So use the same container, all right? Do one celery, one carrot, and two onions. So you could, if you want to get creative, you can throw some garlic in there, bouquet garni, just peppercorns, bay leaf, thyme. You know, if you want to get real fancy pants. But for all intents and purposes, let's just do the regular mirepoix, which is those three things that I uh, listed in the beginning. So you take those three vegetables, uh, maybe leeks. You could take a variety of onions, whatever you want. Emeril Lagasse likes to use peppers instead of tomatoes. I don't because I'm not fucking Emeril. I'm French. Uh, trained. Anyway, um, <laughs> so you take it with the tomato paste. You put it back in the roasting pan. And you throw it in the oven until the tops of the vegetables start getting black. Just a little bit. And the tomato paste starts charring black. Pull it out. You take the veggies out and you put them in the pan with the bones. So they're going to be all in a big pot with no water. Just the, right now you got the bones and the veggies. Then you're going to take some wine. And you're going to deglaze the pans. And you're going to get all that soot off of it. And you're going to throw it into the pan with the stuff. Then you're going to fill that pan with water. Not just covering the vegetables, but covering the vegetables in maybe six more inches. You want extra water because it's going to cook for eight hours. So you're going to have to, instead of putting more water in, you just put extra in so it lets it reduce. And all of that cooking by extraction, by the way, is happening. So all the flavor from the bones and the vegetables and the tomato paste and the wine and the herbs, if you put them in, will go into the water and it will be delicious. If you really want to get fancy pants and you're using, well, first of all, if you're using veal shoulder, you're going to have the gel, the gelatin in there. So it's going to be nice and thick. And I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you what I mean. If you don't, you could ask your butcher to give you some pig's feet or calf's feet. Calf's feet work because they are gelatin that doesn't come from a pork pig. Sometimes people don't eat pork but still want veal stock. If you don't have either of those things, throw a couple of sheets of gelatin in there. I'll tell you why later. Then you put the water in cold and then you slow. You could, you could put it on high until it gets to boiling, but then you got to low it, slow it for eight hours, bub. And you could break it up. You could do four hours one day, four hours another day. People say, don't keep it in an aluminum pot overnight because it tastes different. And it doesn't fucking taste different. Okay, I have a palate better than like, I'm going to say like 90% of the people on the planet. And I can tell you that I don't think a lot of people could tell the difference between a stock that was held in an aluminum pan and a stock that wasn't. And if they tell you they do, they're probably wearing fucking, uh, what are those shoes called? The Red Wings? Or... Yeah, I think they're called Red Wings, like Red Wing shoes. And they're dicks. 
You know what I mean? They have like three three types of tweezers. If you have three tweezers in your bag, just go home. Get out of here. Michelin star what? Shut up. All right? Three fucking tweezers. Who needs three tweezers? Get one. That's it, tops. You got a plate of flour. Anyway, so that's uh, beef stock. Uh, chicken stock, you could do the same. I like to make a chicken jus instead of a chicken stock. It's a little bit more rich, a little bit darker, but if you're using a chicken noodle soup, it's not going to work. It's too, too dark. I basically do the same procedure as I do with beef, but with chicken. I roast chicken bones. Then I have the veggies. I put a little bit of tomato paste in there, or actually, in this case, you don't need to. And then, um, boom, that's it. You make the chicken stock. You could also put everything in a pot, but then you have to skim it. The, the, the benefit about roasting the chicken bones before is you get all those impurities and all that stuff you would normally skim out. You cook it out, all right? And last but not least is lobster stock. Lobster stock is very important, very important, that you cook for no longer than 45 minutes with the lobster body still in there. So you roast the lobster body, same thing. So same, same procedure as everything else. Instead of red wine, you use sherry to deglaze with the vegetables. But lobster, you could saute. So you basically have a big, big saute pan, or you could use a stock pot. Saute the lobster bodies, right as, as they're like nice and red. You throw in the veggies, keep cooking. Throw in tomato paste, keep cooking. Throw in sherry, keep cooking. Add cold water, and then time it 45 minutes. 45 minutes comes up, you must, you must strain it. And then you could finish reducing the rest of that for as long as you want. What happens is anything over 45 minutes, the lobster tends to, uh, the gills and everything, if you don't clean them properly, which is very hard to do anyway, they make it very bitter. They release a chemical that makes everything bitter and they are over, it's just gross. Just trust, trust, just trust me, all right? 45 minutes, not longer. Shrimp, crab, that's different. But lobster, predominantly, lobster stock is very, very good for making bisque, for making sauces. But don't boil the bodies for more than 45 minutes. Okay, dick? Um, if you guys have questions, or if anyone that is not a cook is listening to this, um, that has questions, you guys could voice message me, um, and I will answer anything if I miss something. All right? If you don't give a crap, then don't say nothing. And if you're a cook, and you don't know how to make a stock, then you need to find another job. Right, so we've gone over searing, blanching, and I think I was talking shit about some mother sauces. So let's go over those five mother sauces of Escoffier. Basically, the five mother sauces from which all the other sauces are made. They're very simple. They're very often not used just as is because they are used as a base to make other ones. All right, the simplest one, I would assume, probably is the tomato sauce. It's simple. It's just tomatoes, garlic, regular marinara sauce. Roast them in the oven, just some garlic. Some onions or some shallots, some herbs. Um, a lot of times people put herbs in the beginning of the sauce. That's fine, that's good. Um, herbs um, like basil, thyme, they tend to seep into it like a tea. But I often find that sometimes if you put too much or you don't know what you're doing, it's overwhelming. So for instance, tarragon, very strong herb. You want to put too much of that. You overkill with tarragon, it tastes like nothing else. So I always like to put the herbs at the end fresh. That way you can control and you could uh, eliminate if you need to. All right, so that's tomato. Then we're gonna go on to bechamel, which is basically the mother of all cream sauces. And uh, there is no cheese in a bechamel sauce. There is no garlic in a bechamel sauce. It is simply milk, cream, flour, butter, and salt. That's it. You make a roux, and a roux, or OUX, is a binding agent, which we can go into as well. But it's a binding agent that you have to cook Basically, it combines the fact of the 
butter and the cream to the liquid using the flour. Okay, so it makes it thicker, thickening agent. You have to cook a roux before and after, meaning you melt the butter, one-to-one butter and flour. So if you have a pound of if you have a pound of flour, you use a pound of butter. You melt the butter and then you add the flour. There's three levels of roux, roux blonde, roux brune, and roux uh, blanc. So the longer you cook the roux, the less binding power it'll have. You have to cook it for at least five minutes to where it starts boiling or forms into one mass. And then you add that to your cream. It's usually cold root or hot sauce, or hot root or cold sauce, which rarely happens. It's because you won't get clumps that way. And with a bechamel, you have to make sure you give yourself some time. Because milk is very easy to burn. So you're going to want to do it on low heat, nice and easy, gentle, and you'll start whisking. And as the roux starts to take effect, you will notice that it will get thicker. You'll notice your whisk starting to move slower or more resistant. And that's it. That's bechamel. Then you can add some cheese, making it a Mornay, garlic, making it a bechamel with garlic. But uh, in spite of what everyone else tells you, bechamel is just those things. Hollandaise is uh, the third one we're going to go over today. It's Eggs Benedict Hollandaise sauce. This is actually used very often as it's on, on its own. It's a mother sauce because it uses a binding agent in egg yolks. So there's no flour, there's no cornstarch, which is another one. But egg yolks are the binding agent in this one. And you're aligning the egg yolks to the fat of the butter using mustard, actually. So mustard has a little bit of vinegar. Oh, wait, no, no, you don't need mustard. I'm so sorry. That's different. That's in here. So you basically have egg yolks, and you have to temper them, which means you have to cook them to a certain temperature. I believe that is 160. So basically, you have to do it over Bain Marie. Did you ever hear that song, uh, that song Bain Marie? Bain Marie. It's a hot water bath. You have a pot of water, and you put a bowl over it so it doesn't burn the eggs. Then you slowly incorporate clarified butter into the eggs and continue to stir, making it thick. Now, hollandaise is very volatile, meaning it can break. To cheat, you can put a little bit of um, xanthan gum. We'll get into that later. Another way to make hollandaise is to make the clarified butter hot. And using the heat from the clarified butter, you cook the eggs without whisking. This is even trickier than the first one because if you overheat the butter, the eggs will be scrambled. And if you underdo it, it'll be gross. A little bit of Tabasco, a little lemon juice, and some salt. That's hollandaise. Um, add uh, tarragon and shallots and red wine vinegar, and you have bernays, which is a very popular steak sauce, and then so on and so forth. Number four is a sauce espagnole. Sauce espagnole is basically a veal or a meat sauce fortified with vegetables. So if you have yourself a beef stock cooking with bones, and you have yourself a bunch of beef stock, that's just plain beef water. So what you want to do is saute in some vegetables nice and brown, then hit them with a little bit of tomato paste, which thickens it up and gives it color. Roast it with the tomato paste or in the pan. Then deglaze, which we went over with the chicken thighs, remember? And with red wine. And make sure the wine reduces like to pretty much soot, which is pretty much all of it, because you want to boil the alcohol out. Then you add the beef stock and reduce that. Keep reducing it as thick as you want. At the end, you could put a little uh, butter or you could thicken it with a roux. But sauce espagnole is pretty much just that. Last but not least, most people forget about this guy is the velouté. The velouté is basically a stock that's mixed with a roux. So it can be anything. It can be chicken stock, it can be beef stock, it can be pork stock, shrimp stock. As long as you mix it with a roux and you thicken it, it's called a velouté. It doesn't have to have cream. It just has to have roux. Just so you guys don't uh, get fooled, a lot of fancy-pantsy cooking terms are just French words. 
For instance, you can have something called a tomato fondue. What? What do you mean a tomato fondue, Dimitri? Tomato's a vegetable. Fondue is only cheese and chocolate and oil. Negative. Fondue is the French word to melt. To melt. So you could have a candle fondue. You could have a tomato fondue. You could have a fucking cell phone fondue if you could melt that shit. Just like a gratin, potato gratin, or gratiné à l'oignon, which is French onion soup. Gratin is the word to scrape. It's nothing to do with cheese, nothing to do with any of that. And the reason is when you make French onion soup, you scrape the pan to get the caramelization and to get the color of it. Also, you scrape the cheese off at the end. Gratin, gratiné. Potatoes gratin is because you scrape the potato cheese off of the plate. It's a quick lesson on the five mother sauces, some French words that you, and just like au poivre. Oh, how do you make sauce au poivre? Sauce au poivre, if you translate it directly, it means sauce with peppercorn. So, literally, it could be anything. Yes, there's a traditional way with brandy and cream. Yeah, we get it. But there's also a way to French make the sauce without actually having to make it. All right, so you take your steak, you cover it in peppercorns. Not whole, just, just broken a little bit. Trust me. Then you get a pan screaming hot to where your smoke alarm goes off. And you take that ridiculously crusted peppercorn steak and you put it into the small, small oil content, but big pan. And it starts to sear and it starts to smoke. This is going to smoke pepper. So that means you're going to cook the peppercorns. You're going to, there's going to be some spicy air. So you might want to get a fan. But in this case, the peppercorns cook in the oil and then they kind of disintegrate. Not disintegrate, but they um, decom- decompose, I guess, denature. And they make it crunchy, and they're not as very spicy. So when you flip it after about two minutes, you flip the steak, and then you pour about half a cup of cream right over it. And the cream will be your deglazing agent. It will deglaze the peppercorn, and it will deglaze the soup from the steaks. And you will have yourself a sauce au poivre with the steak cooking in the sauce. That's a quick, easy way to make au poivre without actually having to go crazy. If you got a shot of brandy and you throw in there before the cream, even better. Okay. Happy cooking.